something that's important to you, it's not a bad thing to have to think about it a lot. I use the analogy with maintenance of like your lawn. You can't just leave it alone. Like somebody, you have to have it on a schedule for watering. You've got to get it fertilized. You got to cut it if you don't want it to grow all crazy, like these different things. And even looking at relationships and if you get married or if you're in a long-term relationship with, with a partner, like you don't just all of a sudden do the hard work and like and you're in the dating honeymoon phase and then you're like, okay, now I'm done. That'll like end you, well. <laughs> you have to constantly be thinking about yeah. it. We have to go out of our way to maintain a good relationship. So I am, I'm constantly thinking about that. It's important to me. So I, with nutrition, if you think about it all the time, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You're trying to maintain this, these habits that you've worked on that society and the fast food culture that is all around us makes it really hard for us to stay stay on top of those type of things when we're trying to live a more healthy lifestyle. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Not everybody can say they've been on twice. So that is. I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you joining us today. And Val, we appreciate you coming back for a second conversation. You guys, I am seriously so honored. I was just saying that before we started. Thank you. This is so exciting. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. Thanks, Brooke. <laughs> I think we're going to have a fun conversation. We were kind of throwing around some ideas to talk about before we started. And I told Val, I have like a running list of things that I want to talk to her about. So we'll we'll start with one and see where it goes. But I was saying earlier, when we were trying to schedule this podcast, one thing that came up was Val's training time. And I loved it. I think others might have been a little annoyed by it, but she was like, I can't do that. That's my training time. What about this time? And it made me so happy because I tell people all the time, put your stuff on your calendar and prioritize it because if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. So Val, <laughs> can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about that first? Yeah. Training is important to me. And mm -hmm. As an athlete and a bikini pro, I have these really specific goals of building my glutes. And so I want to be able to get in because if I don't, everybody's busy. We all have things going on. And if I don't do it during my regularly scheduled time, odds are it's probably not going to happen that day. And a perfect example of that was last Friday. There was a last minute change that happened in my schedule and then it, I didn't get, I didn't train and those type of things happen, but it's something that's important. And even for lifestyle clients, I think that's something that's super important for you to do. If it's something you want to make a priority of, build a habit around, put it on the calendar and try to make, like, do your best to make it a non-negotiable. And like you said, some people might get annoyed. I was feeling a little bit bad. Like I know Brooke has to leave a little bit early, but it's, it's important that I get in and get my training in. So. Well, it's part of self-care too, right? That's not the cushy, cushy self-care that people stereotypically think of, but exercise training is part of that. 
Yes. And I am a person that I, I really don't move that much. That's just kind of the way I am by nature. I'm not on my feet a lot. At one point last year, I bought a walking pad to try to, and I even got one of those desks. It's just here to my right where I can move it up and down so I can get under there. And I have this all nice setup over here. I can't walk and type and think all of the, <laughs> I can't do it. I just, it's like, I could walk and talk. I could do that, but I can't walk and type and like assess client check-ins and things. So it's just, if I don't get my training in, I'm not moving. I track about 3000 steps a day. And so that's a really important for me to get my movement in and to get my training in, not only for my mental health, but for my like cardio health and other things as well. Yeah. And I think that it's important for people to understand, like when you have a, when you're trying to build a healthy lifestyle or you're trying to build healthier habits and routines, like there are going to be times where you're going to have to make sacrifices, whether it's with your TV time, like time people sit watching Netflix, kind of binge watching a show, or you can get up and move. Like you're going to have, something's going to have to give a little bit. And it's really important to have firm boundaries too. Like, Hey, scheduling your workout time as if it were a doctor's appointment or a hair appointment or something that you just can't miss is so important because that's something I tell my own clients to do is schedule your workout in your calendar because then number one, you're going to have to take a look at that and you're going to have to actively cancel that and you're going to have to think about it versus going in with no plan and allowing the day to get away from you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. On my client check-ins weekly, one of the questions that I have them answer is, have you done your time blocking for the week? Figuring out when it's going to happen, not if it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, it being stress management, de-stress, whatever, various forms of self-care, exercise in the gym, walking outside of the gym, food prep, ingredient prep, meal planning, all of that stuff. Because as we've been talking about, time is not just going to present itself wouldn't that be nice? But it's not going to jump out at us. We have to take it and make it work for us. Yeah. And be okay with telling people like, hey, I have something at that time. I'm sorry. Call me later if you still need me. But right now I have something. And you don't have to explain it to everybody, depending on the situation. Maybe tell your partner <laughs> if you can't yeah. pick up the kids from school. But <laughs> other than that, like you don't really have to explain yourself to say, no, sorry, ask later and I can help. Yeah. Give me 45 minutes. Send mm -hmm. me a message in 45 minutes and I'll, I'll look into it or whatever it might be. We're talking about training, but you hit on the nutrition aspect of things too, which can be even more difficult feeling for people to do. And so when you do block out your prep time for food, whether it's in the morning or once a week or however it is that you want to prioritize that, that's going to set you up for success from a nutrition standpoint as well. That time blocking is it's such a good thing to do, especially when you are building a habit. It's not something that comes like it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. But once you get into that rhythm, then maybe you don't have to time block it as much because it's just something like, oh, Sundays at five o'clock, I am meal prepping for the week or whatever. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that because especially with clients who, I mean, Iris, and I'm sure you do too, Val, a lot of our clients are definitely like seeking fat loss, help with fat loss. And when you are able to take a step back and when you're able to like evaluate and do like an actual audit on your time, it's really surprising how much time we spend 
kind of just willy nilly going through the motions when you really sit down and think about like, I could have used that 45 minutes to run to the grocery store, shop the perimeter, get all the things that we need and go home and prep them. And recently I've had to set a boundary as well, where I ended up letting my pole studio know, hey, you know what, from now on, like after this series of classes is over, I can no longer do Sundays and work on Sundays because I have to be able to get my shit ready for the week. I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing myself and my meal prep, making sure I'm getting ready for the week. And I love teaching on Sundays, but it comes down to having those boundaries, not only with other people, but yourself. And oftentimes boundaries are, it's our responsibility to enforce boundaries. So if we're setting boundaries with ourselves. It's making sure we're upholding those boundaries, regardless of how we feel, not relying on motivation. It's making sure that I get my food prep done, making sure that I have my lunches packed for the week. That is a boundary that you're setting for yourself. And if that's something that you want other people to acknowledge, you have to stand really, really firm in that. And so nutrition is so important, especially for clients wanting to lose body fat really, really important to learn how to set those boundaries with yourself and do the hard things, even though you don't want to do them or they're not cute and sexy and all that (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Doing that requires some level of sacrifice. In In your example, you just provided, you're sacrificing something you really love, which is working and doing the pole instructing on Sundays. And now you're like, okay, as much as I love that, this is what I need to do to help me throughout the week. And so it does require sacrifice. I think when it comes to habit setting, creating boundaries, oftentimes it's that sacrifice that makes it hard for people. Well, it's not as fun. It's kind of boring. Sometimes that's what we need to do in order to move forward with our goals and fitness goals, physique goals, things like that. What is that saying? You can't achieve something new by doing the same thing you've always done. Is that I probably butchered that something like that, but that's the sentiment, right? (laughs) You have to be able to make some trade-offs if, if you want to achieve something different than what you currently have. Yeah. And then once you get there, you can't go back to your old habits. If you want to maintain these Mm -hmm. results, like whether it's new habits of nutrition Maybe it's fat loss. So you've made this significant change to your physique. You can't go back to what you were doing before. Like how I, and that's something that I always struggle with. How do people think that that's going to help them keep the results from what they've done? Like they have to make some sort of changes. And that's where getting into these habits is going to help you rather than just being like, okay, give me a meal plan. Let's make it real aggressive and let's make it really hard for me to maintain. So let me do two hours of cardio every day. Like that doesn't Ugh. work. No. Yeah. Oh, and it's like one, one thing that I really enjoy telling my clients is like, okay, I want you to picture the best version of yourself. Like once you've reached your goal, you're the happiest and healthiest you've ever been. What does that person and that version of you do? And how can you start implementing that now? Because you're never going to achieve that if you're not implementing what it is that you're working towards. So I love that you use that example because I think a lot of people view fat loss and reaching that goal as like, oh, okay, this is this is a feat I had to conquer. Now I'm here. But now we got to learn to maintain it and making sure that you're building habits and learning how to be mindful like on your journey is so important because once you get to that that version of yourself where you are your happiest and healthiest, you sure as shit don't want to start moving backwards and going what you did before. So I love that you brought that up. 
Yeah, nobody, nobody does. But it happens so frequently. There was just a client that hired me a couple months ago and she said, I decided to work with you because I was talking to some other moms because it's like all their kids play football. And she said, and one of your clients, she she was telling me you should reach out to Val because I was telling her I was considering another coach. And that coach is a, a calorie dropper. It just takes you down to usually a thousand or twelve hundred calories. And you do that for six to nine weeks. And she's like, as enticing as that sounds, this like her friend, she's like, my friend said, that's not going to keep like, you're not going to be able to maintain those results. You can't, you can't live like that. Like, what are you going to learn? And so she said, talk to Val. And and so that's what I told her, like, Hey, I'm totally cool with taking you into fat loss, but we've got to establish some habits first before we even do the fat loss, because it's going to make it that much harder if we just jump right into it. And so we've done that. And that's kind of been a mental struggle for her because that's what she knows from past experience with fat losses. You just hire somebody or pay for a plan. And it's just really extreme. And it's like, we got to change that narrative. And that's what, that's what we're all doing. You guys are <laughs> all doing it, helping with that. We're all in this together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It comes with embracing a, like a new identity for yourself. You are no longer a person who does this group of behaviors. You're now a person who does this group of behaviors and it requires that practice to become that person. Like it doesn't, it doesn't just happen, but it also, I think takes stair-stepping it up with all the best practices that we all teach, because I think when you do it like the right way, you don't want to go back to the other behaviors that you were doing before. If you're diving in face first into all of these unsustainable, unreasonable, calorie dropping hours of cardio techniques, that sucks. You mm -hmm. don't want to maintain that. But if you build an actual lifestyle based around somebody that you actually want to be, you don't want to do the other stuff anymore. It doesn't align with who you are. And that's a cool feeling. Yes. So well said. Yes. Doing yeah. things that align with your future self. Yeah. And I totally agree. I mean, it's, and it's very hard because a lot of times, like when people decide to make these changes, there are certain things that some people don't always take into consideration, like their environment. Like if, if you're someone who you're trying to live a healthier, more active lifestyle and you have like a couch potato for a partner, it can be a little bit more challenging. So just for people listening, when you, when you decide to make a change like that, be aware that that's a change that you're making and not what everybody around you is making too, even though it would be nice, <laughs> even though it would be nice. Sometimes you have to really take a look at your environment and social situations that you find yourself in and determine if that's what you want to carry on into your, your new, your quote unquote new life. <laughs> yeah, I agree. One of the things I think related to like, you have to embrace doing new things in order to achieve what you want. That is different than what you currently have. One of the things that you talk about during your last prep for stage was being okay with hunger in a calorie deficit, because that is one of the most common discussions that I have. I don't know about you, Brooke, but how do I not be hungry? A lot of people are not okay with being a little hungry. And that makes sense on some level because like there could be a history of food insecurity and like childhood stuff that hunger was a very, very negative thing. And at the same time, it's 
kind of necessary and expected. So what are your thoughts on that, Val? Yeah. So in order to experience fat loss, you must eat in a calorie deficit. And to the extent of the deficit you need in order to see the results, some maybe experience hunger and some might not as experience as much hunger, but that is to be expected. And I feel like sometimes there's this narrative of like, well, if, if I'm feeling hungry, then I probably need a deload or I need a refeed. And it's like, no, actually, sometimes you just have to embrace the suck and you've got to just push through it and you're going to have low energy days, but you've got to remember you are choosing to be in fat loss. And so you don't need to go around telling everybody I can't do this and I can't do that and complaining to everybody and making everybody else's life miserable. Like it's a choice. And so you just look at it as like, this is a short, a short-term experience. So I can become this future person that I'm visualizing and have, you know, these new habits in place that I can sustain. Like I want to sustain this different type of physique and it requires a little bit of sacrifice in order for me to get there. I love the way that you worded that, that it is a choice because I, you definitely see that where it's like, well, I'm hungry, I'm this, I'm this. And of course they're letting people know exactly as Val had mentioned, like, oh, I can't have this, or I can't have this, or I can't do this. And, and they're almost using that like victim mentality. Like they're a victim of their circumstance when in reality, it's like, yeah, you have a choice to be in a deficit and you have to, you kind of have to take hunger hunger by the horns at times and understand like it is okay to feel a little pang of hunger every once in a while. Yes. And if it doesn't happen, that's great. If it does, then that's just kind of part of the process. And as much as we want to hack hunger, there's not really a hunger hack. Like sure you could drink some diet soda, or you could have a little bit more volume of some vegetables, but that really doesn't satiate yourself to the point where you're going to feel satisfied because you are in a calorie deficit. (laughs) So (laughs) you just are. (laughs) Well, Val, I'm so thrilled that I got to talk to you today. I'm sorry to our listeners, but I have to run to go get my little man. But I really just want to say before I leave that I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I know it's going to be an amazing episode and I really look forward to catching up with you more. Yes. Thank you, Brooke. Best with your son. Thanks so much for being here for the time that you could. Of course. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Love you. See you later. I feel like people don't understand as well, and I certainly didn't at one point, that hunger is normal no matter what. A little bit more in a calorie deficit for sure, but even in maintenance, you kind of have to be okay with the fact that at times you're going to be hungry. And that doesn't necessarily mean that immediately you have to eat something all the time. Oh my goodness. Yes. There was this great post on Instagram the other day that kind of circulated around through people. I think I even reposted it of like this guy, I can't think of who it was, but he said, I look at a plate of cookies and I really like cookies and I could eat 12 cookies, but I know that's not good for me. Mm. (laughs) And I would be, and I'd be totally fine or whatever. But what I'm doing is honoring my boundaries, honoring my current goals. And especially at maintenance, you still have to have apply some sort of effort. And so I look at that plate of cookies and I'm like, I'm going to have one knowing that I'm going to want more and I'm not going to be 
fully satisfied. And that is okay. That is, that is normal. That is normal. Mm -hmm. You don't have to eat to the point of being stuffed and expect that that's the way you need to be feeling. Like it's a, it's a feeling of satisfaction, which I do feel is hard for people to understand because they either want to be totally full, but then they experience the side effects of that, where they feel kind of gross. They're like, oh, I feel gross and bloated. Or they're like, oh, I'm in a calorie deficit and I'm starving. <laughs> but it's yeah. like finding that, that balance, which it takes time, it takes effort, but it's okay. It's okay to be hungry at maintenance. You don't need to be stuffed. Yeah, I saw that post too. I was like fist pumping when you, when you mentioned it because I was thinking about it too as we were talking. And I had never heard it articulated in such a way where like, yeah, most people would want more, but it's okay to not have more because you know it's not going to serve you. Acknowledging that, that's really powerful because that food, whatever it is for you, you have the power over it. It doesn't have the power over you, which is something I hear a lot. These, these final kind of like an I am statement. I have no control. I just can't stop. I just have to keep going. Well, no, you don't, though. It's a practice to acknowledge that and then just let it go when you need to let it go. But you do have more power than you think you do. Yes, way more. And it it does come with, we keep bringing up the word practice. With the Everybody's favorite thing. <laughs> but it is a practice. It's, yeah. it's a, you totally have got to put forth some sort of regulations and rules and exercise these new habits, even around what maintenance feels like. And that point of just eating and not immediately thinking, oh, I'm still hungry. It's like honoring the experience and being mindful when you are eating instead of grabbing your phone and mindlessly scrolling through Instagram as you're eating. And then you're like, where did my Oh, food? it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like make it an experience. And I digestion starts from actually like looking at the food. Mm -hmm. And your mouth starts to salivate and then you like chew the food and you want to make sure that you fully chewed the food so it's easier for your body to break down. So just taking that whole time to make that happen and allow the experience of eating food to be something where you don't eat and then wonder what it was you ate. Like you sit down, you make it a, a moment there for you, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And then you move on somewhere else. Before we started the podcast, I was saying how I really don't like eating in the car, but when I have to, I do. Cause I don't get that experience of really like enjoying the food. Like it's like, I take some bites at the stoplight and then go again. But it, it's sometimes that's what you, I mean, sometimes you, you just got to make it work when you can, but prioritizing your meals is going to help you with understanding that feeling of eating to be satisfied instead of like feeling like you have to have this full fullness type of feeling. Do you ever talk to your clients about like setting up an eating schedule for themselves? I'm thinking yeah. about this in terms of going back to the time blocking and then now like making it a moment. Yeah. So I've never told them to actually like calendar it out. I've kind of insinuated that. But what I like to do is tell them like, here's, you know, if you're going to eat three meals a day, make sure that they're evenly spaced and figure out the timing that works best for you. If you eat five meals a day, what we want is to break that down. So you're not having a ton of food 
and then kind of bird picking and snacking. Like you want to have good, fulfilling, calorie dense meals based on the calories that you're eating at the time. So finding that rhythm that works for your schedule is going to help you to be more in routine with that. Rhythm is a good word for it. I like that. Because I find that the unpredictability a lot of times is what people struggle with in terms of knowing what their hunger and fullness cues are. And they find themselves getting so hungry before they eat anything. Yep. And then they eat really fast and then they're not satisfied or they don't feel good because they ate so fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do, do you tell your clients to try to block out eating? Sometimes, depending on the client, I will have them add it into their time blocking. But I do, similar to what you just described, find what works for them and their schedule. Try to keep it consistent day to day and then evenly spaced out during the day. Yeah. But I mean, with room to play too, because everybody's individual. So, and work schedules and all of that. Yeah. And there's sometimes too with clients when they're at maintenance, something I'll do with some clients is I'm like, okay, because they don't want to track all the time. So it's learning to get out of the macro tracking. And so it's like, okay, well, I kind of have those same meals that I eat for like breakfast and lunch. And then when it comes to dinner, it's whatever I make for the family or whatever, that type of idea. So there's Mm -hmm. that added flexibility of being in routine, kind of eyeball tracking, but then a little bit more flexibility in the evening. So it's totally different depending on the person and their goals and what they're okay with when it comes to maintenance, like what level of effort are they willing to put in depending on what they're okay with the results of their physique. That's the fun part is that you get to individualize. And that's the annoying part for listeners and clients because it's like, well, let's experiment and figure it out. And they're like, no, just tell me what to do. And we're like, no, (laughs) they love it. I know it's, (laughs) but it is. And I mean, cause you and I, we do it ourselves as well. Like we go through different times where we're being more adherent to our goals and then we allow a little bit more flexibility and it just, it, it's this ebb and flow. But at -hmm. the end of the day, you want to have these good nutrition habits. Otherwise you go back to whatever it was before you knew what a protein carbon fat was. Yeah. And then well, I tried maintenance, but it didn't work. Yes. And it's interesting because I did, there's just a client last week who said, I've never actually tracked at maintenance. I've only used tracking when I've done fat loss. And it's been really eye-opening to me that I actually can eat a lot of food and I feel really good. And mm-hmm. so she always felt like that tracking was restrictive, but now she's seeing it from a different light. And there's no... Again, when it comes to macro tracking, I don't want anybody to think like that's the only way that I can ever see results or maintain results. It's just like a tool that you can use and you can use it for a period of time and maintenance. It might be something that I've even got another client who she just tracks a couple times a week. Like she'll just pick a couple days and it just is helping her to make sure she's staying on top of things because she actually is somebody who is under eating and wants to move to fat loss. And I said, we've got to bring your food up. She was like, I don't want to track. And I was like, well, we have to figure out how to make this work because you're not eating enough to move into a deficit. (laughs) So (laughs) that's been her, but you can use it from the flip side too of like, if you tend to overeat or eat a lot of fast food or you like try to make fast food fit into your macros more often than not or whatever, it's good to flip that and be like, okay, I'm going to use macro tracking and I've got to figure out 
what feels okay and not super restrictive so I can just maintain the results that I want that I want to get out of my hard work that I apply when I do fat loss phases. Mm-hmm. To me, it's super fun because under the umbrella of like how it works, there are so many different things you can do. And it just depends on the individual and their mind and what they're willing to have as a trade-off. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and, and some people don't even macro track. Yeah. Because they just like cannot. They're like, I just like portion sizing. I like to use my fists or whatever. It's like, perfect. Figure out what you like to do. But you do have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like you, nobody can tell you exactly what you should do. You got to, you, it's, there's trial and error. You have to try stuff out. And it's like, yeah, I didn't like that. And try something else until you get to a rhythm. And then the other cool thing is you can always change your mind. Mm-hmm. So maybe something worked really great for a few years. And then you're like, I'm getting sick of this. And then Apply a little bit more effort during that time to figure out a new system that you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I, I tell people, especially new clients who, not many, but some of them have said, I just, I find that I'm thinking about it a lot. And it's frustrating because they have to think about it a lot. And I just like to remind them, like, you're going to have to think about it a lot before you can think about it a little bit less. I've been at this for a long time. There's certain things that I don't really have to think about anymore. There's other things that I have to think about a lot because it's just, for whatever reason, not entirely ingrained in me yet. And that's okay. We all have a different pace of learning and we have to be okay with thinking about it a lot before we can just kind of put it on autopilot. Yeah. And I think that it is important because nutrition is just, it really is so so important for us. We need food to live. We need food for energy. We like to eat food for social experiences. So there is just a lot that revolves around the nutritional aspect of things, which does require you to think about it a lot. And your body makes you think about it because you get that little, your stomach starts to grumble. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about food. And if you haven't taken the time to prep food for the day, you might end up in the pantry, just kind of mindlessly snacking while you're figuring out what to eat. But you get your body telling you like, okay, I'm hungry. You look at your clock. You're like, oh, this is about the time I like to eat. You've got some food prepped. You go and eat your food, those type of things. So I do think that something that's important to you, it's not a bad thing to have to think about it a lot. It's, I, you can look at, I use like the analogy with maintenance of like your lawn, you can't just leave it alone. Like somebody, you have to have it on a schedule for watering. You've got to get it fertilized. You got to cut it if you don't want it to grow all crazy, like these different things. And even looking at relationships and if you get married or if you're in a long-term relationship with, with a partner, like you don't just all of a sudden do the hard work and like, and you're in the dating honeymoon phase and then you're like, okay, now I'm done. That's (laughs) that like, well, (laughs) like there, you have to constantly be thinking about it. I've been married for 20 years and my husband and I still block out time for date night. And we still block out time for like after dinner and the kids go to bed. Like we talk, we, if we don't, we just get so caught up in our work and everything that's happening that we could. And it's happened before when we're not applying effort, where we just are like two strangers in the house. He works upstairs, I work downstairs, and we don't talk to each other. But it's like, okay, when you get home, you have to look at me 
say hi, like whatever it is, like acknowledge, we give hugs, we kiss, like we have to tell each other, like we have to go out our way to maintain a good relationship. So I, so I am, I'm constantly thinking about that. It's important to me. So I, I feel like with nutrition, if you think about it all the time, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You're trying to maintain this, these habits that you've worked on that, society and the fast food culture that is all around us makes it really hard for us to stay, stay on top of those type of things when we're trying to live a more healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The thing that's coming to mind for me is like also kind of embracing the fact that it's not weird to care about this stuff. I feel like a lot of people think you know, nutrition and fitness, it's so like superfluous and shallow and especially people with aesthetic goals like the two of us and Brooke. Yeah. It's not. Just don't you be weird about it and start pushing it on everybody else. But it's not weird to care about it and prioritize it for yourself. I think that's a really important thing to understand. And I don't know, I don't really know where that comes from, but that's a sense that I'm getting from certain people where they're just kind of embarrassed to admit that they care about it. Yeah. It is a little bit fascinating because sometimes it can be looked upon as a shallow type of thing. Like, oh, you want to lose body fat? Like, why aren't you happy the way that you are? And I find that there can be, there can be a fine line with the approach people take because there are people who do you know, they do have some, some self-loathing, like they aren't happy with themselves. And I I think it's very important that when you approach this type of stuff, you are coming at it from a place of like, yeah, I, I do appreciate and love myself and what, however that comes across. But at the same time, I still think I can be better. And if I want to work on some physique goal or build my glutes, like, that's, that's just fine in the process that, I mean, it's kind of a fun, like for me, for you, it's, it's a fun experiment on ourselves to see what we can do to shape our physique, knowing full well that it's not going to bring us the ultimate happiness. Like when, as soon as we get the most bubbly glutes ever, if that even does that (laughs) even exist, are we ever going to be like fully satisfied with stuff? Like we go through different chapters in life where it's like, we want to work on something or, or, or um, something else, but just being able to go down that path isn't like, it's not a bad or a selfish thing. It's still coming from a place of loving yourself, but knowing that you can do better, that you can be better. Yeah. I love what you do when you share like videos of your physique transformation and your your then and now and before and after pictures where you're smiley and both you're happy you're doing it and it's I think it's very clear at least from my end that it's from a place of self-love and respect you weren't miserable like maybe you weren't super thrilled with what your physique was at the time and you wanted to be better but it wasn't the typical shadowed sad like hunched over like you're standing tall and smiling in your in your quote-unquote first pictures and I just I love that and I make all my people when they take progress pictures and like stand tall and smile don't do the sad standing in a quarter hunchy thing (laughs) fake it if you have to but look away like sometimes people just look away and I'm like 
dude, this is your, this is your body. This is years of you and living and being alive and everything that's happened to get you to this point. Like this is just another, another chapter in your book. You're just moving Mm -hmm. forward. So yeah, I love that smile, (laughs) (laughs) smile and flex. I don't care if you think your biceps are teeny flex. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love that. It's just building that confidence and you can continue to do that and still be like, I was happy where I was, Mm -hmm. but then it was like, Hey, I want to give this a shot and see where I go. So it's not like, I feel like I loved myself better or looked better. Like I've always been, and I've always been happy along the path and just enjoying the experience of trying to challenge myself a little bit more. I do think if we sat on our laurels all the time, that it'd be pretty boring. So it's fun to push ourselves out of our comfort zone in different ways that challenge us. And it just happens to be that for both you and I doing the fitness thing, that is a fun (laughs) way to push, push ourselves and see, see what we can do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can, can find even if it's not physique specifically, but if it's strength, I think there's so much, so much to be learned by shooting for strength. It's very cool to see people kind of blossom when they start realizing how strong they can actually get. And when each time they choose to do something uncomfortable and push themselves a little bit harder in the gym, strength training specifically. And then they're like, I did that. I did that. And I'm going to do it again and better. It's just so cool. It really lights me up. <laughs> yes, it's total confidence building because we we all have these perceived limits that we put on ourselves. Things like, oh, I'll never be able to lift that heavy. I'll, I'll never have this. I'll never have that. But it's like, hmm. how do you know? Why not give it a shot? Maybe it doesn't work the first time. And guess what? That's okay. A lot of people are afraid of failure, so they don't even want it to try, right? But it's like, just realize failure is a part of the process. It's a way that you grow and you are going to fail. <laughs> you will. Yeah. If you're going time. for muscle, <laughs> you're going to want to fail intentionally. And yes, you will want to hit <laughs> failure and it will be super uncomfortable. You mm. like, that's the getting into the failure and training stuff. Like, it, it doesn't feel good. You get to the point where you're like, I don't want to do anymore. I don't want to do any more reps, but it's like, nope, keep going. Cause you probably got five or six more reps left in the tank that you don't even know about. And what if you only get two? Great. Next time try for three. It's just one of those things, like just baby steps. Mm-hmm. Just don't know. So builds up so much confidence. It really does. It is really cool. And then that translates and always, always translates into other aspects in your life. Yeah, always. So if I can do this, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Who says I can't try? Yes. Yeah. And then going back to the nutrition thing too, like the confidence that comes from learning and knowing what you like to eat, first of all, because I think a lot of people are stuck in eating what they think they have to eat and they don't even know what they like to eat. Uh-huh. So that's kind of a fun experience to go through with clients, but also knowing the makeup of your food and how it serves you in the moment or how it doesn't serve you in the moment and understanding that it's all allowed. Like I just had a really great conversation with my client, Liz, shout out to Liz. I don't know if she listens to the podcast. Shout out Liz. If you listen, (laughs) if you listen, I don't throw it at all my clients all the time, but if you come across this, she really likes 
soppressata, and cheese. And that was one of the things that she was struggling to moderate every time she was around it because she just really likes it. And so I was like, go buy some, track it, and eat it every day. And she messaged me in our little video chat app, and she's like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, I understand that because I can have it, I don't always want it. And when I do have it, I love it. And it's just like the whole world opens up when you open yourself up to learning this stuff and practicing it and being okay with failing at it sometimes. Because I can promise you, when it comes to food, if you start adding in stuff that you previously have put off limits, you're probably going to overdo it. Because it tastes good and it's hard to moderate. But over time, you're going to get better at moderating it. And then you're going to see yourself grow. And you're going to see just how much power you really do have. I mean, I, I think it just keeps coming back to power. You got to yeah. find your power, but you find it by practicing. That magic word we keep saying over and over and over and over. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. And changing that mindset from I can't to I can't. Yes. With in the example of your client, she was always looked at that as like a restrictive, maybe even kind of bad, quote unquote, bad food or whatever. Like, but it's like, oh, if you like it, make it a priority to eat it. Mm -hmm. and, and then that that shift will will happen and you'll be like, oh, I don't constantly think about it all the time and I could eat it when I want to and I could still maintain my results. It's not like a a bad, a bad thing. It's just that mindset approach. It's so cool. Of like eat it. Yeah. And the awareness piece of like part of the reason she avoided it because she didn't know how to track it. And she was assuming that she was blowing it every time that she had it. Oh. And then by tracking it, she learned that, oh, it's actually not that calorie dense. The amount that I want to eat to be satisfied, because it's very salty, it's very rich. The amount that I want to eat is actually not insane. Like it's completely reasonable, but the assumption was there because the awareness wasn't. And that's another confidence building thing I talk about all the time. Tracking macros, whether or not you specifically want to do that, but like monitoring your food in some way, it opens the whole world. It is eye-opening. I agree. It does open up. It opens up your mind to the possibilities of like, okay, yeah, I can eat the cookie. I can eat whatever it is you said. I'd never like even heard what what you said before. <laughs> so prasada, it's like a cured <laughs> Italian meat. It's very good. Okay. It yeah. It is that. very rich and salty. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never heard that word. I've probably seen it. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about, but, <laughs> but whatever it is, that's kind of like your thing that you really like, you go and you weigh it out and then you're like, okay, this, this will work. This can be doable in Whatever it might be, like maybe it's not going to be the most reasonable thing calorie wise. Maybe it really is super calorie dense. But if you have that ability to kind of open up your mind to the possibilities of what you can do with nutrition, there's nothing wrong with eating those more processed, salty or high fatty foods or whatever it is, as long as you still are prioritizing your whole foods. Like there's no like there's no good or bad. It's just mm -hmm. doing what you know is necessary to maintain results and live a healthy life. So I really like that. Very cool. So Prasada too. Got to go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good. Yeah. I don't get it often because the salty cured meats are not my my personal vice. <laughs> it's not the I'm, right word. I'm on but... the cookie. I'm on the cookie side of things. I like the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah same. <laughs> I see a cookie and I'm like, hmm, 
do I want to put that in somewhere this week <laughs> or a vitamin <laughs> or something? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to do that. <laughs> oh, Val, this has been so much fun. I feel like we could just keep going for like another hour, but I'm going to play Dungeons and Dragons tonight with some friends. So, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Got to go put my nerd hat on, my different kind of nerd hat on. Well, thank you. Thank you seriously so much for having me on. I really enjoy the conversation, the discussion, the questions that you have. And again, I am so honored that you invited Aww. me to be on your podcast again. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, you're very welcome. I I knew that this was the beginning of a beautiful friendship when we first started chatting on Instagram. So I'm I'm glad you agreed to come on again. And before before you go though, you have a podcast now. Yeah. Which I, I, I greatly enjoy. Oh, thank you. Yes. So I do co-host a podcast with Heather Adams, and our podcast is called Training Age. We we release little episodes every other Friday, so you can check that out if you'd like. I suggest it. What does, for the listeners real quick, what does the name mean? Training Age pays tribute to the training age which people have when they are strength training. So when you first get started strength training, you're more of like a novice and then it increases over time. So we like to talk about training stuff, but we also use training age in conjunction with talking about ages of us. Like we're, mm. me and Heather, we're in our forties. So we like to talk more about things for women in their 30s and 40s, but still giving great information for younger women too, things that they can think about or look forward to and not be scared about as they get older. And so it's like realizing that training is for everybody at every age. I love it. Good information. Two very smart, strong ladies that I like listening to. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Likewise to you and Brooke. Thank you. <laughs> Your Instagram handle for the listeners. Valerie Lasvardi, just all one word. Check me out. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> I'll link all of this in the show notes too, so you can just scroll down and click away. But thanks again, Val. Really appreciate you. You're welcome. Thanks again. See you on the gram. Yeah. And everybody else, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you next time. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Dude, that was so good. That really was. <laughs>